Mabuff! Pitch Perfect 2 When did you see Pitch Perfect, the original anime? When did it come out? Uh, I think it was like 2012 2012, I would have seen it in the, in the theatre In the theatre! And enjoyed it, um, but I haven't revisited it Can I say, I didn't watch Pitch Perfect until two hours before I saw Pitch Perfect 2 Ooh. And it's a sad indictment on my life that I just saw a movie like Pitch Perfect and I went, fuck that shit. Oh, and, and you didn't actually see the movie, but yeah. you saw that it, there was a movie called yeah, Pitch Perfect. Yeah, and I was like, as if. I yeah. thought it was like like High School Musical or, you know, that kind of thing. You did a Z click. You went click, click, click. Yeah, I did. And you went, whatever. whatever. I'd, I'd do what I want. Which, <laughs> which is not watching Pitch Perfect. Yeah. Uh, admittedly, I also... Uh, 2012 was a year of travel for me, so I wasn't around seeing much stuff. But yeah, so I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't around friends. You know, friends tell friends to go see Pitch Perfect. Yeah, <laughs> no yeah. friends were around. I was traveling in hostels and stuff. Nobody said, "Paul, go see Pitch Perfect." Well, as as well as when you're when you're seeing a lot of movies, um, review wise, mm. you see movies that are very good, but they might not necessarily be for you. If you know what I mean, like right. you'd say. Oh, I know people who would love that movie. And and Pitch Perfect to me was like one that I really enjoyed. And I enjoyed going to see, you know, un- under the circumstances, which was I didn't have to pay 35 bucks to get into the <laughs> cinema. Um, and But as well, you're wary of, of, of saying you've got to go see this movie to someone who does have to pay 40 bucks. It went up in, in the middle of that <laughs> sentence. <laughs> to I gotta go say, see it. No, yeah, this is all the things I like. We're just talking about Pitch Perfect yep. and subsequently too. I, li- I love mashups. I love uh, acapella. Arca- I'm sorry. D- did you even know that you loved acapella? Uh, I haven't listened to that much acapella. Yeah, acapella. Aca- I'm yeah. gonna say acapella. I know yeah. they say aca awesome, all that stuff. Yeah, Aca acapella. I, the Ben Folds acapella album is very cool, which is actually he basically realised that a lot of acapella groups were doing songs by Ben Folds, and so he called up to all the acapella groups from all the unis, all the colleges, and said, "All right, we'll submit your best." And then he created an album. He went got into the studio with each of these uh, colleges. Yep. Yeah, and they're very awesome. Uh, so that's very cool. So I mean, that's more most of what I know is acapella, and also a uh, community made fun of them uh, in an episode, in the paintball episode, um, a we- couple of years before Pitch Perfect even came out, actually. Yeah, which is interesting because they do they sing "Hit Me with Your Best Shot" and then "Hit Me with Your Best Shot." I think is in the first movie. Anyway, so I watched number one and I loved it, and I was very excited for two, all in the space of like two three hours in the cinema watching the next one. Although I will say, I was watching one like uh, my on my home theater system, and mm-hmm. I was like, this sounds good now. How good must this sound in a cinema? Yeah. And yeah. Pitch Perfect 2 is actually like these movies are actually kind of an argument for going to see things in the film in the cinema because the mix, the sound mix. Sorry to yeah. be nerdy about it, but Oh no, do. Cause this I don't I can't get into 
You, you, we were coming out, and you were like, Beats? They're not using Beats in the studio, I'm telling you that much. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there was some serious product placement of the Beats uh, headphones. And uh, you can Google this online. I think it's The Checkout, which is an ABC show in Australia uh, that kind of does consumer affairs stuff, but in an interesting, funny way. I know that doesn't seem possible, but they do. Yeah. And they did a great segment all about the Beats headphones by Dr. Dre, how apparently Beats by Dr. Dre, it's actually like a certain... Settings of like EQ and stuff, like what 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 bass to boost or what what highs and lows to put at what levels to make your music sound better, and that's just a preset hardwired in. That's basically why you're paying double the price, is because Dr. Dre decides he likes to hear his music like that, and you can too. But in actual fact, in studios, I'm fairly sure I'm not a total 100, percent but I'm pretty sure you just use studio monitor headphones, which are the kind I'm listening to my own voice on right now, which is like neutral. Yeah, it's meant to be an accurate representation of the sound. Yeah. So the idea that people are wearing Dr. Dre Beats headphones in the studio doesn't make sense because you're not hearing accurate. So that was a bit like it was just obvious product placement. Obviously, I've been seeing that a lot. I think it was Beats in Avengers as well, actually. Yeah, that um, makes sense. Which is, yeah. Which, which to me, I, my first question hearing that is, does Dr. Dre use beats in the studio and then, <laughs> and then come out of the studio also wearing beats saying, wow, this is even beatier than... <laughs> I don't know. This I do is my not know. Beatiest mix yet. But the sound mix, uh, yeah, because they can, they can really amp it up and with 5.1. Is it very exciting for me to go from pitch perfect and be like, I like this, let's see it in the cinema? Uh,. We got to talk about it. There's probably, I mean, there's no real. Spo- this is again in a kind of movie where there's not really going to be spoilers. I guess maybe some of the songs that they used, if we mention that, there's a few cameos in there which I really like. But basically, we're going to talk extensively, ish, about as much as you can about a film like this. Uh, but the best way for there to be no spoilers is if you've seen the movie. Yeah, go. I, I look. We always do this. Like, would you, if you enjoyed Pitch Perfect, I think you'll definitely enjoy Pitch Perfect Two. And probably, if you didn't enjoy Pitch Perfect One, probably don't go see Two. Pretty well, yeah it, yeah, it is pretty much for the pitch-perfect people. And you can enjoy two probably without seeing one, but I think it's... Why what, would you? What I what I like about pitch-perfect one and two, you can enjoy it without necessarily enjoying everything. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's, there is a scene in there that it's like, oh, I enjoy the craft of that. So, like, the music, the singing. Oh, it's fun. You say, it's fun. I don't even like the song, but they sing it well. And then the next scene happens and you're like, well, I'll judge this scene on its own merits. But in other words, you'll watch the entire movie and there'll be at least one scene that you'll go, okay, that was, that's <laughs> at, right. least one. At, least at least one. At least one. At least one. That's if not worth the $45. If you, well, <laughs> 50 since we've been talking, Paul. It's <laughs> skyrocketing. I'm Sorry, I you. checked two seconds earlier than you. <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway. Um, I, I was sitting down, the lights went down, right? And the, you know, the movie starts, they're doing the la da 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 for the Universal. And I'm thinking to myself, and I know this is a terrible thought, and I know that you are, you are slightly younger than me, Paul. So yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if you were around for the phenomenon that Aww. was, uh, because I'm, I'm watching this movie and it's Pitch Perfect 2. It's a sequel, right? About singing. Yeah. And I thought, this could be the next generation's Sister Act 2, back in the habit. I don't know if you were around for Sister Act 2, but that uh, was, of, to people of a certain generation, that was a very big deal. Yeah. And it's it's kind of a, it's a strange movie. I, I don't want to revisit the movie now, just in case it's a terrible movie. <laughs> Great sequel name. Great. Could be a terrible film. But there's like there's religious songs that people of a certain age who aren't even religious 
if you so much as drop a note of that, they'll start jo- they'll join uh, in. Wow, they'll start singing wow. it because well, of this movie. That's the thing. That their original songs was it in Sister Act Two, or were yeah. they? No, 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 they weren't. Were they? That's the thing. Did they? Were they singing gospel songs and they like they well, funkified them? Exactly, exactly. Right. So whereas this again, except for you know one that one original song, which I found out Jesse J. Jesse J wrote and she's really Jesse J. Ah, okay. The flashlight the, song. The flashlight song in Pitch yeah, Perfect yeah. too. So that's hers. Well, Sister Act. If, if, if you're very young, if you're still in diapers, Sister Act was a comedy about a lounge singer, uh, played by Whoopi Goldberg, and she's on the run from the mob. And witness protection puts her in a convent, basically. She has to pretend to be a nun. Of course. And it's very funny (laughs) (laughs) because she is not godlike in her behaviour. You see, that's the conflict. Sister Act 2, she has no reason to be in that comment whatsoever. <laughs> there is no... They're like, come back and teach us. And and the way that she fits in the first one, because she's a lounge singer, she teaches the choir. She, you know, mm. and, and she funkifies the music. And that's what's, you know, that's, oh, whoopee, I'm warm in my heart. So in the second one, forget about all pretense or whatever. It's just her coming back to teach some kids from the rough side of the hood. It's Dangerous Minds. In music form, <laughs> right? So, in, as I'm sitting down to Pitch Perfect 2, my first thought is like, what? what is, what, what are they going to do in this one? What's the story going to be? Yeah, there is a bit, they had to like raise the stakes. But yeah. I think they did that well, because it was, it was, at first they just wanted to win national champions, which they did. Yeah. At the end of the first one. And then I kind of liked that they're like, yeah, we've had three years of success. It's been going great. And then a huge fall from grace. I kind of like that in terms of it wasn't just an incremental like oh we won worlds now we just want to win. Oh we we won nationals we want to win nationals again. I I liked it it's a two-handed thing. I I I'm going to come out on record and say I thought the story in number 2, Pitch Perfect 2 was weaker. Yeah. Than Pitch yeah, Perfect. It, probably was, it, yeah. it wasn't as, you know, sharp, it wasn't as focused, and there were things that they were doing that I really liked that they were doing, but it felt a little bit first drafty. The, the way they sort of put yeah. them in. But to be honest, like, I mean, yes, but at the same time, I don't care that much. Yeah, it, well, exactly. Because the whole exactly. thing is a structure for where can we put more songs in. The, the whole thing is about, like, character. It's, yeah. It's-, it's like, for example, at the start, you've got Rebel Wilson, uh, Muffgate. Muffgate, yes. Muffgate. That, would, that was actually on the screen. We're and, not just saying that. And that <laughs> oh, my God. That was very... I like, pointed it out on the... Yeah. Yeah, it was And great. this is screensaver. It's fantastic. But, um, like... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, in, in the stricter sense, like, you kind of get a sense in the writing room. You kind of... Kind of get a you sense? You kind of get a sense. You, you Muffgate <laughs> get a sense. That, uh, not it, even. Well, it feels it feels kind of like a script by improv, if you know what I right. mean. Like, like it's all first ideas, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a weak, you know, movie because it it still feels funny. Like it's all about character and mm. and and it's all about what I found interesting. Like a lot of movies that are targeted towards the ladies mm. are all very sort of Cinderella build you up. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you're the prettiest girl out there. You're, the, you're, you're so smart. You don't even need a boy. You know what I mean? Whereas this is like, this is, I feel, like a movie that's for boys and girls. Like, it's gender neutral. It's yellow or green. <laughs> okay. Um, but <laughs> sure. but it, is, it is very girl power. That's what I feel yeah. anyway. Well, yeah. But, but it isn't about, 
you have, you know, don't worry about what anyone says. You're beautiful. It's like they're all weird in their certain ways. And, like, John Michael Higgins, the announcer, is like he plays on, you know, this one looks weird and that one. And then, like, they're talking about giraffe legs and fat Amy is is fat. (laughs) And, and, you know, all these sorts of weird freakish attributes. But, like, they're making fun of each other, but they love each other. It's yeah. kind of if I were to call you Paul a bastard, but you know it's from a place of love. Oh, don't don't bring that up. I won't ever again. I'm sorry. I feel terrible even saying it once. <laughs> um, but okay. Well, here's the thing. If I were to level this criticism, yeah, devil's advocate is what Go, I'm. Oh playing. yeah, yeah. The jokes are offensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're unoriginal. Oh, yeah. they're bigoted. Oh, oh, yep. And they're not funny. Oh, I mean, I thought you were you were going somewhere. You may still be. I don't know. Wait, where, where do you think I'm going? Where, where, where is it? Was that it? I'm is done. There I'm a, done. I've done. laid a lot down there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, interesting. Interesting. How I mean, do you respond to that? I don't know. Like in a certain, I feel like there's a pitch perfect flavor where I I didn't feel. Like, like for example, there was a lot of jokes about the um, the uh, was she Mexican? The- yeah, the- <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. The- I, can I say I, I'll put you like I'm not I'm not putting you on the spot here. Well, yeah. maybe I am. That's not my opinion. I you're playing devil's advocate. I'm playing devil's advocate. Yeah, I like yeah. I I didn't. There was nothing in this that offended me. Yeah. Um, and but there was stuff like they they were playing on the poor immigrant girl kind of, and I like the humor of like the the vanilla white girl saying this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me, and the you know <laughs> yeah, the girl true. from overseas saying oh well I was once kidnapped but yeah I'm sure this is bad too <laughs> yeah yeah that's the thing and then there's also the Robert Wilson uh, one which is like the we're American so everyone hates us. Um, like there were some moments of, that's the thing is like, I think what I'm saying is some people have leveled some like, oh, it's bigoted and like they make jokes about, you know, Asian people and white people and fat people and blah, blah, blah. But they're all, I feel like very ironic. Like they know that they're, they're portraying these people as like, like John Michael Higgins. Is that his name? The, the, The announcer guy, he, or the commentator. He's, uh, he's a misogynist. They label him as a misogynist and it's not okay. It's just that that's what he is. And it's funny that he's, he's got such outdated, such outrageous views. But he's not endorsed in any way. In that. And so as I'm just saying, I'm curious that people have had that reaction to some of the jokes. And I'm like, no, it's it's kind of like, it's 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 the absurdity of how in how offensive they are in that they're, they're, they're I feel, not, I, you know what I mean? Like, I feel they're like, highlighting them by, by portraying them that I way. I feel like the people who are in this movie, like Anna Kendrick, Rebel Wilson, John Michael Higgins, Elizabeth Banks... Like they are, there's something about the flavor of it that they do de- do these bigoted jokes. Like, like people come in with that criticism, bigoted, and you say, oh, "I can see where you're coming from." Like that is kind of you know the harsh humor of it. But there's something about the it's kind of tongue in cheek that you're like, "I know that there's no offense here." Right, right. Like it, it it's a little bit like. I, I this is going on an extreme example, but like the Adams family at school camp. You know what I mean? Where it's like the the Wednesday the 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 Adams children, the Wednesday and the Pugsley, mm. they're these now that I've put they in front of their names. 
Uh, but they sort of like form their own cliche. How much older than me are you? <laughs> <laughs> Back in the day with the Wednesday and the Pugsley. Um, sorry, where, where, where you? Oh, okay, I don't even know what to. Oh, Anthony says the darndest things. That's my old man. Uh, he's Bill Cosby. <laughs> he's not Bill Cosby. Don't, don't ring. That was Bill Cosby. <laughs> that was not Bill that Cosby. That was easily Bill Cosby. <laughs> no, I do that for the girlfriend. She says that's not Bill Cosby. So I have to, <laughs> I have to go on what she tells me. Uh, one day I will do a Bill Cosby, and you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll know. You'll see. You'll all all right. see. But um, I'll probably be asleep. <laughs> anyway. Uh, the the point is, like, I, I don't know, it felt like the underdogs. It felt like a collection of... And I can't remember from the first movie if that was a plot point where they were the rejects. Yeah. The, well, the that's raggy the thing. dolls. That's the whole thing, is they're the misfits, which is probably because I'm a big lover of the TV show community. And there is a very similar vibe, I feel, to this... There's a lot about... I don't know if there's a weird tangent, but it feels a lot... A very similar to Pitch Perfect in community. It, the way it's shot is, like, lots of vibrant colours and everything. It's It's a whole lot of misfits at college. Uh, they all have to come together, which is a common story in a lot of things, but that's that's a center, central uh, kind of theme of it. Uh, and I think that, like the humor is very similar as well. Like Reverend Wilson just has like those punch, like it's it's conversation, conversation. Reverend Wilson comes in with a punchline, much like Troy and Community, kind of is the one yeah. with the, the crazy thing, always the joke at the end, which you kind of get a sense that maybe she's improvised about ten different lines. I mean, I don't know how tight the script is. Versus we, Rebel just doing a million takes can, and then just can, choosing one. Can we talk about Rebel Wilson? Because there, it, it seems to me, and I just want to sum this up in, in two sentences or less, yeah. that um, uh, Australia likes Rebel Wilson. Yeah. And I, I say that very politically. Some people are like a little bit iffy about Rebel, poor Rebel. The the world, rest of the world that isn't Australia loves Rebel Wilson. <laughs> Um, and I, I walked into this movie, you know, I, I haven't made my mind up about Rebel Wilson, but I was worried that they were going to do the Captain Jack Sparrow, which is to say, she's not the main character of Pitch Perfect 1, but with everyone loving Rebel Wilson, Pitch Perfect 2 is going to be the Rebel Wilson movie starring right, right. the Pitch Perfect people. Yeah. So where, where do you stand on the Rebel Wilson spectrum? Um, well, you are an Australian. I like her a lot. I didn't really know that much. I think, did she originate from, like, Fat Pizza? From yeah, Pizza? Yeah. Yeah. God. I didn't know her much, and I wasn't really quite sure what the hype was about, but also I didn't have a lot to base it on. But I quite like her from Pitch Perfect. What i got to say is, both Pitch Perfect and Pitch Perfect 2, it's really dangerous me watching them in the same day, because I muddle them up a little bit, so I'll yeah, try and yeah. keep it clear in my head. But there is, a, there is an element of her presence being a little bit jarring. Like, there is a little bit of a... They're doing the whole, the American accents and their conversation and the Americans talking how they're talking and then just Rebel just jumping in with a line. And there is a jarring element to it that that almost goes, uh, was she even there? Was that even part of that same scene? What the <laughs> yeah, hell? Yeah. Uh, it's and Which is a bit confusing, but at the same time, and because she's also so understated, so you've got like the very loud, energetic American voices. And yes, Rebel is an energetic performer, but sometimes her... Line delivery is so understated. Yeah. Would you agree with me about that? Well, I, from a character point of view, with Fat Amy, mm. I, I, I know this is a strange thing to say, but it's like some jokes are reliant on she is awesome, you know, it, even though she's large, 
And then other jokes are relying on she's large, therefore not awesome, but she thinks she's awesome. Yeah, that's true. And they it kind of go both ways. It kind of goes both ways. And it's like, depending on the scene. And so, to a certain extent, I'm always like, I'd, I want to know which way where, you know, I, I, I pick a lane. I think she's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. I think they move more towards that in Pitch Perfect too. But what I was going to say about that jarring thing is that maybe that's why it is so funny. Because it just goes, like, it's just a left hook, just... There it is. There's some Rebel Wilson I coming might, at you. I really enjoyed the her rowing the boat <laughs> to the to you know the the love. What what would you say the romance climax? Yeah. Well, there's two. Yeah, there's two love B plots in this movie actually. So there's also Legacy as well, which was less. That was nice. It was kind of funny because Pitch Perfect had the main love storyline with Anna Kendrick and that guy. Yeah, the guy, the very good looking, very good singer guy. Yeah. Who's just, there's not really much of a nut, like he's, it's interesting, across Pitch Perfect 1 and then 2, he never really does anything, he doesn't have much of a progression. Wow, I've just realised that. He has basically no progression. Yeah. He just turns up, and then he's a good singer, and now he's the leader of the Troublemakers. Wow. Well, in in number 2, he's kind of window dressing, which... Yeah, he very much is. Which I'm not offended by, because we've seen so many movies where the the good-looking girl is the window dressing. Yeah, I don't think that's got to be a complaint of mine. I'm not going to yeah. be like, the, the white guy, he didn't get enough stage time. I don't, I don't think it's... It's just curious that, like, I really like him as a character because he's a very charming kind of character. But you'd never see any of, any of his flaws, or as if you see everyone else's. Anyway, um, yeah, that's weird. I just realised that. Um, what was I going to say? But that's I, the main... That, well, that's, that's the love storyline. And I think Pitch Perfect 2, they're like, oh, we need the love storyline. And we're like, oh, we don't want to do anything major. So they did kind of two minor-ish yeah. ones with Legacy and Rebel. And I, I feel like Pitch Perfect is a perfect movie for Rebel Wilson. Because yeah. because it goes back to what I was saying earlier about... It is it is sometimes negative humour. It's like um, roast humour. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to tell you the worst things about you, Paul, and we're all going to laugh. <laughs> But in a in a comfy, cozy, I don't want to kill myself afterwards kind of way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that the one thing she says to Legacy, which is, "Has anyone ever told you that you're the worst person ever?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was which very is funny. like is lovely. Like yeah. if anyone said that to me, I'd burst out laughing. That's very <laughs> yeah. funny. Um, uh, oh my god, can I talk about those? All those cameos, just some amazing cameos. Jason Jones returning from the last movie uh, as, I don't know what the name of that group is, but the older, the older Archipelago people. Yep. Um, Re- uh, was it Reggie Watts? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to say yeah. I didn't actually know. Reggie and- Watts makes an appearance in that group. John Hodgman doesn't even have a speaking role. Like, he, I don't think he even has a solo or anything. He's just there. That was very cool. And, oh my god, David Cross. Holy shit. That scene, for me, was like a highlight. That was amazing. Like, David Cross with... There's a lot of comedy greats. Like, like some amazing people doing some amazing things in comedy right now. Like yeah, All in that room. Just out of... It has nothing to do with the rest of the story, but they just happen to get an invitation. They happen to go along to it. Perfect, You know, perfectly dressed. I assume it said something on the invitation, like, dress this way or whatever. Yeah. And and then David Cross happens to open the door. I'm an eccentric millionaire. You don't ask any questions. Come down to my basement. Then they start doing like a acapella off. Yeah, well, because they needed to... Because that was a callback to the first 
movie where they had the riff off or whatever it's called. It's like called a riff or something. Yeah. Where that was like the street. It was like it was like in the basketball court or whatever it was, and that was all the colleges in the first movie. All the college um of of Barden. Of Barden, all, yeah. all the acapella groups of Barden, and so they had to up the stakes the next time, but recreate that scene because it's that that game. That, rules kind yeah, of okay, thing. that makes sense. So that's the yeah, that was like I think that was the writers going, okay, how do we up, how do we recreate this? Because people obviously loved it from the first film, the kind of street kind of street arca arca street, whatever they call it. Uh yeah. So then they're like, oh, we'll just put it. In. So it was, it was a blatant thing of like, let's just up the stakes and do that, but. And and I I loved that I loved everything about it. Like at at, at one point, because there are four teams, and the it's kind of like to get all four teams in on on these rounds, you need to do like the four different songs. Yeah. So like by the time it's like the third round, you're like this scene has gone on for a while, and I don't even care. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, uh, I gotta say it always had a bit of a vibe like the Anchorman, like um news news newsman, news like <laughs> news off. Yeah. <laughs> I felt a bit like that. It was pretty great. I mean, I kind of, I feel like someone like David Cross, if a casting director is going to go and cast someone like David Cross, they probably know what they're doing. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's a good, like, as opposed to be like, oh, we'll get Paul Rudd or we'll get, I don't know. You know what I mean? Like someone that's a bit more of a mainstream comedic actor. Okay. You know what I mean? Like David Cross is like a classy, like slightly alternative kind of choice. Like people know who David Cross is, but he's not. Like, I kind of feel like for the pitch perfect audience... Say if you're talking like a lot of teenage girls and that kind of stuff, which I imagine they market to, they're not going to know who David Cross is. You okay, know what I mean? Okay, interesting point. Yeah, you yeah. know what I'm saying. Unless they're Alvin and the Chipmunks fans, but I, that's I have not seen that. Wow. I I think David Cross is in it by all reports. Oh, is he Alvin? He is not. No, oh, okay. I, he might be like a neighbor kind of guy. Uh, but I think it's like it's a well-known trope that yeah. every now and then a guy or a girl. We'll do a movie for the money. Yeah. And David Cross unashamedly is like, Elvin the Chipmunk people, they, their check's clear. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'll be back for number four. It's like, John, I wonder if John Oliver in Smurfs 3. I don't know if he'll... Did that happen? He did did Smurfs 1 and 2. Oh, heavens. Who was he in 1 and I 2? I haven't seen either of them. Okay. Oh, jeez. I assume he plays one of the chips, the chipmunks. He plays the chipmunks <laughs> in the Smurfs. Is what I assume is what he did. Oh, that's good. Wow, though, that's a universe building. That yeah. yeah Speaking of, <laughs> this, okay, this is an interesting thing. Is that um, and and without giving anything away from other movies we might have discussed that do a little bit of universe building, um, but it was a, a similar thematic ending, which was uh, Pitch Perfect Two ends not with a "We'll be here forever." But with a kind of a like a, it's time for us to part ways. But the actual, you know, the team that brought us together in the first place, that will continue. That will go on. What was the final scene? Because they win worlds and then. It's basically, I'm not sure if I read this wrong, but I get the sense that Legacy, uh, the Haley Steinfeld character, is the only Bella that will be in school next year. Like, oh. everyone else is, has just graduated. That's true, because they are talking about what they're all going to do next. Yeah, and she's about to slide down the stairs to the point where you don't really... Like, they're about to leave. Just, you know, send them an email and say, I did that stair thing. Don't worry. <laughs> 
Or, like, by the time she gets to the bottom of the stairs, they've all gone. Yeah. <laughs> she, like, breaks her leg. She's like, Gu- guys, yeah, guys, guys, come back. I- I've fallen and I can't get up. Who will care for me? What's that? I don't even know. Oh, is that? Sorry, who's that at the door? Is that? Is that Bill Cosby? Is Bill Cosby here? I just checked. He's not here. Oh, it's not him. All right. Thank God. Uh, songs are great. I, you know what? It's funny because I think they had the... Is it Data John Mayer? Which I think uh, was a Taylor Swift song, right? Yeah. I think that's what that was. Um, uh, we're never, ever, ever getting back uh, together. That, that had to come up. But um, it was interesting that Tina Turner came up. And, and that's like... That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> But what I'm saying, what my point that I was going to make is that it's an interesting thing with the production of a film and the pre-production of the filming and the post-production and the marketing and when it actually gets released. With doing these pop songs is like the big Taylor Swift song is not that song. The big Taylor Swift song is Shake It Off. Yeah. And what I'm saying is like there's that bit of a jeopardy in between making that, deciding all the songs they got to put in and doing the modern ones like having Timber and all that kind of like, oh, that was, they were all the songs that were big literally 12 months ago or more interestingly mm, mm. like so they kind of it's interesting they have to get away with choosing the songs of now but the songs that people are still going to recognize a year later like i was i was saying like uh when i saw pitch perfect i was really impressed that a lot of the songs they played were like still stand up today like obviously all the old classics are easy because they stay classics but the songs that were a bit newer like they had they had like some of the stuff that anna kendrick's character was like dj mixing together like they had like uh, Azalea, Azalea Banks, uh, 212, and some other stuff in there. And I was like, that's still, like, that's a good pick, because still, like, three years later, that still holds up. Like, they're still great tracks. Um, so it's there was a bit of an element of, like, ah, oh, I kind of wish there was, like, like, Pharrell featured at the end in the voice thing, and I was like, kind of wanted to, you know, see Happy yeah, by Pharrell, yeah. or I wanted to see, uh, like, Shake It Off. I mean, these are just personal requests, so, like, what what can you do? But you know what I mean? Like, there's just some big song, pop songs of the last, say, 12 months, 12, 18 months. I'm like, oh, it would have been good if that was in there. It kind of makes you, I don't know if it makes you hungry. It makes me hungry to see something like like a pitch perfect movie you've got to wait around for for a while. Yeah. But you can almost imagine them doing like a, a like an acapella battle every week on, on, you know, a Saturday Night Live kind of show. Yeah. But it's just it's just voice stuff and music stuff, and and you know like a like a battle of the bands. Yeah, but I gotta say, like there is a there's an element of suspension of disbelief that that's actually possible. There is, yeah, that's like, also true. You know as, what I mean? as well as I the, don't think that's real. I don't think you can actually do that. As as well as the reasons why the bands like dropped out of the rounds was so tenuous. Like at one point it was like the the big beefy muscular jock ones and he was all like, Oh, I know this category. This is the one category I yeah, really that was know. Weird. That happened twice. That yeah. was them and then the also the older dudes. They yeah. both were like, Yeah, we totally know this and then messed it up. Yeah. Which, which... could have ri- that could have been written a bit better. Yeah. And then all, yeah, yeah. And then, and not also the reason the ballads fell out cuz they didn't have anything and then the girl just started singing a, a legacy just started singing an original. Like why would you do that? It's so yeah. bizarre. Yeah. That was a bit like it was a bit like oh, crowbarred that a bit in like oh this song remember this song we'll come back to that to the, to the point where like it gets to the final performance. And I can't remember how the first one went, but I do know in these kinds of things like you get to the start of the performance not knowing what the performance is going to be. 
but knowing like what is going to inform it. Like what is the challenge that the Bellas have been facing and how will that, you know, and it got to the the final performance in this movie and I'm like, you know, I don't actually know what the theme is in this. And and then I- just be better than DSM. Yeah. That's all it was. Oh, I I loved the DS. I loved how cartoonishly German yeah, they were. It was amazing. It was incredible. Uh, I'd say it's funny how like you're allowed to do that. I don't know where it's like. How are we allowed to do that? And it's like yeah. it seems to be just an acceptable thing to just go cartoonishly German. That th- there were no other like you see like a hint of a Canadian team and an Indian team towards the end, but it, that it was just the German team versus yeah. the American team. I, yeah. The biggest conflict in the history <laughs> of everything. Um, I did quite enjoy when they when they won the the riff off or whatever it was called, uh, and they did the crisscross, gonna make you jump, and that would say DSM, we gotta make you jump, Commissaire, gotta make yeah, you jump. That yeah. was that was pretty cool. Like, that was, again, like hip hop jams of the nineties. That's a pretty cool. Yeah, that's a cool thing. Yeah, like nineties hip hop jams. are Awesome, and they if, are. if 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 that movie introduces more hip hop jams from the nineties. To, to teenage girls, etc. Like, I remember... Then I'm into that. Because Criss Cross is going to make you jump. Oh, yeah. DSM is going to make you jump. <laughs> wiggity, 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 whack. <laughs> um, oh, Mr. Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, gosh. The, it, it gets to the end. It gets to the end. And the Bellers are coming out on stage, and I'm like, what? I don't know what the thing is that they've had to right. deal with. Right. That they're here now, and, and that they start singing an original song, which is the the flashlight song, and and the judge is like, they're going original, like, that's, that, that's a big thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, you, you kind of, intru- like, it, it it was enough. It got me over the line. I was maybe, like, maybe what their problem was is they were trying to reconcile their future with their past. Maybe, I don't know, because then they had all the, all the legacies in there. Like I, I liked as well. They had um, the alumni. They had Fat Amy's. I feel terrible calling her Fat Amy, but that's the name of the character. But like, she does that so that other skinny bitches don't say it behind her back. That's from the first. I know. Movie. I know it's from the first, <laughs> first movie. movie. I know. You just look at me like, <laughs> I know. like I can't believe you said that, Paul. No, no, no. I, I know. I can't believe Fat Amy said that. I'm still getting over it. It's first badass on her. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe. I don't know. It's probably good. I don't know. I've, I, f- I feel I'm still from the old school of like build them up, don't tear them down. Oh yeah. You are beautiful, no matter what they say. There's a little Cosby crooning going on. Were you, um, Bing Cosby? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, oh, the mother of legacy. The what's her name? From uh, you said from she's Ka- from Married with Children, right? Katie Segal. Who I recognised the voice. I was like, that's Leela. That's yeah. Leela from Futurama. It is absolutely. And I was right. Uh, it's always nice to pick those things. It's incredible to me growing up watching her on Married with Children because uh, there's something in your head. She plays like a very dowdy mother. Yeah. Like she's very sort of glammed up, but in a in a <laughs> you know. Should I say Frankston kind of way? I, I don't. I love Frankston. Frankston has. She, a, yeah, she's a bit trashy. But they, yeah. they do that on purpose. It's fine. You're allowed to comment on it. Okay. There's a makeup department and a costume department. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Purposely no, I, I, I'm thinking less of Katie Segal and more about the people of Frankston. It's a, a fantastic town, and and don't be afraid to visit Frankston this weekend and 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 all of that. 
But um, well done. But you see her back then, and then you grow you grow up as I've done. I don't know if that you've done that too. That's your business. <laughs> 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 wow. And and Katie Segal is still looking lovely, and you say, "What do, are you, are you aging, Katie Segal?" <laughs> yeah, you know, if we just did we cryogenically freeze you and then pop you out again? Like, was she twelve years old when she did Married with Children? How does it work? You're saying she's looking good. She is looking, she's looking very, very well. Yeah, and she was on the twelve twelve special rules, seven simple rules. She was on, she was about, it was a show about dating a teenage daughter. She was oh, on that show. I can't remember. Okay. I, I remember the move. I can't remember the number of yeah. rules that they were. Yeah. Uh, but she, she just delivered a solid performance. I really liked her. It was like, she only had a couple scenes, but she was just like, just a, just a cool, confident mother. Like she was, yeah. I liked that it wasn't like, they didn't make her like neurotic about it. Like, you know, you got to join the, you know, it wasn't like a. It, it wasn't like, very conflicty. Yeah. Like, which I kind of liked. It wasn't like. She started, like the first scene you meet these two, mother, daughter, she's singing and you, the, the daughter isn't like, oh, you're embarrassing me. It's, right. It's more like, I'm going to miss that random singing that you do. Yeah. It was really yeah. nice. I was like, yeah, cool. Don't make this all like. I mean, to, you could say that's George Clooney Batman, you know what I mean? Where it's like, I want more dark and gritty in my Pitch Perfect 2. Nah. But, like, I mean, there wasn't much conflict by way of the, uh, the uh, what's her name? Legendary? Legion. Le- Legacy. 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 Ca- <laughs> I don't think that's her actual, it's Emily, isn't Emily, it? Emily, yeah. Emily. Emily comes in and says, can I be part of the group? And they say, can you sing? And she sings a bit. And they say, okay, you can be part of the group. And that's pretty much her conflict. And it's over in about 30 seconds. And then she solves the problem later that Anna doesn't have any original voice. Yeah. Oh, well, about my original voice. Yeah. I'll take that's that. Not, Thank you very much. The other thing was that that was left hanging for like an hour. It was yeah. like, like Anna gets told, oh, you don't have anything original. And, like, earlier on, like, <laughs> Legacy's like, all I want to do is write original songs. I'm like, all right, well, anytime you guys want to sort that out. Um, <laughs> just anytime you want to add those two bits together. Oh, you did it uh, three quarters of the way through the movie. Well done. All right, that's tied up. It was kind of like, uh, you know, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Obviously, you're going to collaborate. Like, obviously. Yeah, so it was, I mean, writing-wise, it was not the tightest beast in the shed. No. But I still, like, uh, like what draws me into the Pitch Perfect movie is the singing. The singing. The I, singing. I really enjoy the singing. The singing and the, <laughs> singing and the dancing. Uh, Flip floppity. It's very good. Uh, well, um, do you reckon the introduction of, uh, what's what's the actor's and actress's name? Actor's name? Are we of talk- Legacy? Uh, is it Hayley Steinfeld? Right. Do you think that's succession planning for Pitch Perfect 3? I don't know. I don't know. It could go either way. It, yeah. it, it really... I, I, To a certain extent, I don't think that Pitch Perfect needed a sequel. No. But now that they've done two, you could easily see them doing three. Yes. You know what I mean? But, like, I, I'm if they wanted to keep going with this, I don't know. It, it kind of feels like there are two different things going on. And one of them is the story side of things, which yeah. didn't really... Happened in number one, and it was good. And number two, it limped across the line. But, like, really what I would go and see a Pitch Perfect movie for is the the music. I kind of feel like it's, um... I think they might Fast and Furious it a little bit. Oh, yeah. Because they're building up a bit of a cast. I think they got to kind of go, you know, we'll go wherever the music is, and we can tell whatever story we need to. 
Yeah, I because I don't know what this movie you would need a, a you would need a story because I don't know what this movie would look like without a story. Mm. Um, yeah, is it is it like the Step Up or something? Is there a series of dance movies like Bring It On one and two and three? That or sounds something? familiar. I feel like they maybe got to go that I don't. Know, I haven't seen the film, so I don't know how it worked. But yeah, I I would be very surprised because this film is good enough. Yeah, this is a good film. There are some problems with it, but I think. This should probably do just as well as Pitch Perfect or whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's this will sell for another third for a third film. I think we'll see a third film. Yeah, I would. Would you see like a Anna Kendrick and Rebel Wilson coming back, or would they be in the same way that we get the cameo of the lady doing the um the what, camp retreat? The camp retreat. Her name. Yeah, that's a cute. Well, I guess that that'll probably come up to. I think they would try and get him back, but I think it'd be up to contracts and stuff. I don't think they need to phase them out though. Yeah. I think they'll just have to write the story around it. I don't know. That's a curious question. Depends, really. I, like, that's the thing, is that it's only the story that is say, dictating that Rebel and Anna Kendrick have to leave. It's not like yeah. it's not like Rebel and Anna are, like, beyond it. Like, if the money's there, they're going to keep coming back, right? Like, it seems like a fun project for them. And Elizabeth Banks... Oh, we should really know. Elizabeth Banks directed this. Yeah. Which, I mean, she did a pretty... Great job. Like, that's amazing. Well, because I, I believe she... Uh, in the, I don't know if she's directed anything before. Um, I believe she produced the first one. That's the thing. And then I kind of like that. Like, that's a... I feel like that's... I, to me, directing is the most terrifying job. I feel like that's ballsy to just go, I was in it and I produced it. And then just go, oh, huge million dollar, multi-million dollar franchise. I'll just, uh, I'll just direct the next one. Like, I, re- I remember the story of uh, the guy who directed The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. And George Lucas offers him the director's seat for the, the next Star Wars, Star Wars 2. And he's like, um, <laughs> yeah, thanks, but no thanks. Right. Like, like it's a big deal. Like, all you can do is basically lower people's expectations unless you're Irvin Kirshner and you direct The Empire Strikes Back, in, in which case you do all right for yourself. Yeah. Yeah, it's a terrifying thing. Like, if... Because she's already producing it, and then for her to go... I could just let someone else do it, you know, and it will hopefully be fine. Or I can take that on. I don't know. It's very impressive. I, I'm, I would be scared. I would be scared to direct anything. But also, if you want me to direct something, I'll do it. Um, I, yeah, it was a solid. Like, I, I look at that and I say, I look at Pitch, Pitch Perfect 2 and I say, Elizabeth Banks, direct my movie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, she delivered. Do some more. As in, uh, there's not that many actors, really, that have made a, a proper, like, lots of them try, but nobody... Not many on-screen actors that have made a good transition, and and that is like like they don't typically let people direct movies unless they're very good at doing it or they are actors. And so when you see an actor direct a movie, a lot of the time you're like, oh, so that's what a terribly directed movie looks <laughs> yeah, like. Yeah. You know what I mean? And but this one was well yeah. directed, which also makes me like be like, oh, what else is what else is Elizabeth Banks working on? What else she got for us? Uh, she's also... Hey, she's like one of the announcers on Hunger Games, isn't she? She's, yeah, the Effie Trinket. Yeah. So that's funny that it's it's a very... It's a similarish kind of shrill kind of uh, announcery. Is that fair to say? It's a similar role. Yeah. In a way. In, yeah, you, I could see similarities. Anyway. Uh, in that they're both Elizabeth Banks. Anyway, let's... Uh, I think that's probably me for... Well, how much more can we talk about a movie with, uh, like... Well, th- well, this singing. this seems like her first movie. Oh. I mean, there's there she's done. She has directed stuff before. That's oh, okay, including a segment 
for Movie 43, which was a movie that not a lot of people sort of enjoyed and, and uh, it, it didn't, you know. Oh, so she, wait, that is a film or is it a short film? Well, Movie 43 is... All that stupid, yeah, yeah I haven't yeah, seen yeah, yeah, it, yeah. but I, it was apparently terrible. So she directed but that. She, she didn't direct the whole movie. She directed a segment for oh. it, which was probably look. We're, let's let's we're, assume. Let's assume bit. the best bit. Yeah, uh, that's interesting because often, like when there's a big, big thing like that, a big multi-million-dollar franchise kind of movie, they'll get you to do something small first. Yeah. Kind of like, um, yeah. yeah, but wet, I guess wet but, your beak but I guess because maybe she owns the problem. Yeah, considering she produced it, maybe she was like, I can do what I like. Because it was a book, wasn't it? Yeah, so the first one based on the book, and then the second one, I guess, is a weekly story. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's our Movie Autopsy for Pitch Perfect 2. You can find us at Movie Autopsy on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, podcast apps on your smartphone. I've been Paul Culliver. I've been Anthony McCormack. We'll see you next time. See you then. <laughs>